What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn, we've got to do a new ad, mate. We do. We're long overdue. We're not going to be sponsoring Einzerwiener anymore. Yeah, well, fuck that no guy. longer. He's fucking not paying us. <laughs> no. We've just figured out. No. We just, he's sitting right here in front of us, <laughs> and we've just figured out he hasn't actually been paying all no this wonder. time. No there's no bread and milk on my table fuck in this house. After we were just nice to him. <laughs> we're just, fuck we're him. just flattering him. We were just whining and dining him, <laughs> looking after him like a big fucking client. We'd look after and then we find out he hasn't find been paid out he the hasn't bill. Been paying us. bed. He's doing it right now, so we're <laughs> we may as well tell people that if they're in Australia and you need dog gear. Don't get it from him. Well, get it from wait, him. Wait until he pays the get bill. Get it from him so that he can pay us. <laughs> What's your stupid website, Jason? E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K.com. There you go. Nice. Get your stuff from there. Okay. All right, on to the real sponsors. Yes, the people who actually pay the bills. Canine suticles. Yep. The best canine suticles. Premium grade, yep. human quality. Yeah. It's going gangbusters at the moment. Thank you to the community who have been supporting yep. it. It's great shit. Dan Croft. Yes. In Canada. In Canada. Yes. Toronto, Canada, I believe. Yeah. Yes. What were we pushing for him? It's puppy class. Puppy class. Yeah. Amazing puppy classes in a great facility. Barbara DeGroote. From the heart dog training. Barbara just loves us and we she love Barbara. She just loves us. Barbara is our sugar mama. Yeah. <laughs> that literally is the thing's called, right? Yeah. The tear that she called. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the sugar mama tear. Thank you, Barbara. We Thank appreciate you. Thank you, Barbara. We love you. Horny George Kittredge. Yes. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Yeah. The yeah. box is incredible. I saw it for the – did we talk about this? Have we done an we ad have. since? We yeah. have talked about how amazing the boxes is. You and I travelled from – where did you pick us up? What, what airport that was, was that? Uh, in Colorado. Colorado. He showed us the prototype. Yeah. We was talking through it. You and I were sort of thinking this is never going to take off. Yeah. And finally – he Surreal does deal. it. He pulls it off. Not only does he pull it off, it's fucking brilliant. Like it's safe. And he also does classes where he teaches people how to use them as well. Like teaches the dogs how to get up on the bike seat and then load into the box itself. And it's bloody brilliant. It's incredible. Really proud of George. Lovely guy. And I'm really happy that this is paying out for him. All right. Daniel Trapino? It's actually Tropiano. He corrected me. Okay. So anyway, Daniel Trapino. <laughs> Dog Club South Dog Club, Australia. Australia. Yeah. It's a cool little facility he's got there. It's a there. great facility. Get yes. in, check it out. He does all the, all the training. Yeah, he's decked it out. He's got it all looking schmick. It's a bit street. It's a bit edge. It's a bit kitschy. You yeah, know? he's got some cool artwork. Yeah, it looks good. Check yeah. it out for yeah, sure. it's great. It's about time South Australia started lifting its game. Good on you, Daniel. Yeah, leading the charge down there. Well done. We've got a new one. Who we got? Tailored Canines. We have too. They contacted us on Instagram, yep. stumbled into our advertising <laughs> tier, and away <laughs> we go. Yep. So they're in Canada. They are. They're in Ontario. Gold, Nipopo gold people, yeah, gold multiplicators. I think, I think they're a gold multiplicator. Yep. yep. So if you're recently certified as a silver school and you're mm-hmm. looking for somewhere to do your gold yep. and you're around the Canada or just anywhere up that northern part of the Americas, check it out. Taylor so they Canines. do puppy, adult group classes, private and board and train programs. There you go. Taylor thank you for jumping on and advertising with us. Hey, everyone. 
If you would like to be an advertiser, <laughs> do it. Reach out to us. Shut up, you buffhead. So I know that on Patreon, and we appreciate people just putting money in there. That's wonderful. Yes, but we do have to limit how many people we have, and so get in contact with us. Make sure that we actually can serve you, and that we actually, you know, can provide you value as an advertiser, and that you align with our ethos as well. Of that, course, that's very important. That would be appreciated. To recap. Our sponsors are, and the people we love because they give us a lot of money. Yes. Well, it's not a lot of money, but some money. Yeah. Einzewick, he promises he's going to do it. He's look, I'm looking at him now. I'm looking at the reflection of him fixing it. Has it that gone through yet? No, because still trying. has got shit pines. <laughs> Dan Croft, puppy classes, yep. cool facility. Barbara de Groot. Amazing sugar mama, love her, from the heart dog training. George Kittridge. Rowdy hound dog boxes. Daniel Tropiano, Tropino. Tro- dog club. Troppy Daniel. <laughs> dog club. <laughs> Australia. Yeah. And new to the family, tailored canines. Yeah. All the way from Ontario, Canada. So we've got two Canadians. That'll do advertising. Yeah. Mo- do. Mostly from the United States. One from Oz. Well done. Well played. Thank you, sirs and madam. Check them out. They support us. You yeah. should support them. Yep. Here's a show. There's a show now. Here's a show. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart, and I'm joined in the studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Welcome back, Mr. Roving Reporter. We're doing it. It's been weeks. It has been literally weeks. It's been weeks. It has. I'm back. Shit, man. What a really extensively busy time. We've had Cameron Ford here. Mm-hmm. I've had complaints from people saying, when's the episode coming out? When's the episode coming out? <laughs> I'm thinking I will get it out, but literally you and I have been crucified lately yeah, yeah, on yeah. just me with my internal work and you with your traveling and stuff like that. Like there's a lot going on. Yeah. Which is good. I'm not complaining. Yeah, it's, first it's world nice problems. to be busy. First world problems. We're both busy. We're both getting things done. It's a great problem to have to yeah. be busy and have a full workplace. But at the same time, you do need rest. You do need family time and you do need downtime. Exactly. So it's nice uh, to have that as well. I've got my bullet journal here in front of me and I wrote in it the other day when I was complaining about how busy I am and then like had this whole page of complaints of I have no time and all of this. And then the bottom line was like this reflection part where I was like, but all of this is self-imposed. Yeah. <laughs> like I, am, I am doing all of this to myself. So I should stop being a whiny bitch yep. and just get on with it. And if I don't like stuff, I should stop doing it. So obviously I love everything I'm doing because I'm keeping doing it. It's like people who go drinking all night and complain about the hangover next exactly. day. Yeah. I went out with the NETF students last night. I had a really good laugh with them. We went down to the Vicar, oh, yeah, which nice. is the local pub. It's yep. actually a really nice pub down here in yeah, Dural. Yeah. Oh, man, do we have some deep conversations, but some really big belly laughs as well. Yeah. You know, there was a few of them that were really impressing me with how much alcohol they could consume. <laughs> <laughs> they paid for it the next day, but it was quite funny. One of the girls is into horses. I'll just pull up a quote that she brought up, which is probably a talking point we could talk about a little bit further, but there was a quote that she brought out. Uh, we were discussing frustration in training and Mm -hmm. she said oh yeah there's a quote in the horse training world by a controversial trainer but she said I really love this quote and I want to share it with you I said cool what is it and she said frustration ends when knowledge begins Mm. and I thought oh there's some depth in that Mm. like I said it's probably a good talking point somewhere along the line there are some people who really start thinking about how behavior affects us long term Mm. short term how it affects us as human beings and how it affects the species around us that we're trying to communicate more effectively with. Mm, Yeah, that is an interesting talking point. The other point that I did want to talk about, which you and I were just riffing about then, is the PSA Nationals are coming up in early November, 1st of November-ish, 2nd to 5th, I think they are. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. In uh, Dallas. Yep. 
In Dallas, yeah. So very good chance I am going over and a very strong chance you are going over. Yeah, I'll be there for sure. Yeah, like it's 99% chance that I'm going over, so very strong chance. First national I've ever been to. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. I've been wanting to go for a long time and the stars have never aligned, but I'm actually getting some well-earned rest Mm -hmm. coming up. So I've got some time off in November. I've already spoken to Narelle. She's cool with me going over and it's going to happen. What I was going to say to people who listen to the show – people in the American audience or even Aussie audience or any audience is why not catch up while we're over there? Yeah. Like this would be a great chance for us to catch up with people in the United States. Unfortunately, the stars just aren't going to align for me to get to the ISCP this year. I would love to, I'd love to go and support, but it's not going to happen. So I have to use the time where we've got, once again, not to repeat the obvious, but your workload has increased. Our company has gone gangbusters at the moment. Narelle's busy all the time. There is just shit going on all the time. So I've got to use the pockets where I can. I've got November and and it just happened to align with the PSA National. So I'm really excited to go and see some of the best competitors around the states of the United States. The planet. It's, yeah. There's people from all over the world. That's right. It. It's the world's best in PSA. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see people that we know and love and support and our brothers and sisters in the sport itself. It's going to be a great privilege. I know you've been there. Yeah, man, I love it. I'm doing a seminar in in Houston the weekend before, Mm -hmm. and then we'll be making my way to Dallas basically from the Monday on for that week. Yep. Not sure on your travel plans, but when we have all that figured out for anybody who wants to touch base, we'll be taking all of our gear. We're going to be recording. We're making it into a work trip. Yep. So for sure, we want to link up with as many people as possible. I love going to PSA Nationals. I think it's the fourth or fifth that I'm going to. I get there as often as I possibly can. Yep. But- we're bringing a bit of a posse from Australia. A lot of people, you know, PSA is really getting going here. There's a lot of people really very, very interested in it. And I'm trying to convince as many people as possible to come over with us and experience the culture firsthand and and be a part of it and see what it is at at its highest level. Because, you know, here in Australia, we have our trials that we have, but they're PD season ones and a little bit of twos happening. Like it's still low level beginning. Exactly. We're still learning the game. We're still figuring it out. People coming to understand how it all works. And so what I want to do is show people what it can be. There's no better version of that than nationals. So super keen to get as many people from Australia to come with as possible but when we're there for sure come and say hi we want to try and organize some not like specific events but we definitely want to have people come see us and we want to do interviews and we want to try and do as many podcast related things get as many recordings as many shows as possible make as much content as we possibly can there showcasing PSA Nationals and, and so, playing some drinking games in Dallas no doubt yeah no doubt no doubt <laughs> got to talk about the fun stuff yeah. as well there'll be fun yeah so touch base with us on that whether you shoot us an email or touch base with one of us individually mm. for sure and anyone that's training if you're competing if you're showing at PSA Nationals you know I have that time those three days uh, you know if you need a warm body in a suit or some help or whatever someone to hold a line whatever we're, we're there awesome so there Mate, I just got back. We're waffling a lot before we even started on our topic, but I just got back, as we said, from- We haven't um, seen each other for three weeks. I know. <laughs> like literally- <laughs> People it, listening it, to us catch up. Yeah. It's always a bit sad when we don't get to see each other yeah, for that yeah. long because we're kind of thinking at the time we're busy, but then we see each other and go, oh, it's been more than three business days. Yeah. And we're used to seeing each other, you know, like at least once a week. Yeah. We used to hang out like three days a week, three or at least week. two yep. at a minimum. Mm. Mate, I just got back from Chicago, did a seminar and a boot camp at Fabian's Place, found Chicago. It, there's stuff on social media about it, but I really want to give a really heartfelt thank you to Fabian. And he's a facility and everything is incredible, but that's that. He's an incredible businessman. He's got an incredible facility. He's a great dog trainer. You know, all, I should say incredible dog trainer. I can't say incredible three times and then say great. <laughs> I was just trying to find a different word. I know you'll be thinking, where did I go wrong? Yeah, what's wrong? Yeah. But 
As a person that hosts events, he's incredible. And I was so well looked after from being picked up at the airport to being dropped off at the airport. Everything in between was so perfectly organized. And what I appreciate about that, and not that I've ever had really bad experiences, but some are just at another level. And that's what this was, is that- it allows me just to immerse myself completely in what I'm doing and I don't have to think about anything else. And I'm so appreciative for that. And for the people who came to the boot camp, it's a lot of money. People pay a lot of money to come to that just to hear me talk at them for, Mm. you know, seven days. It's quite stressful for me to make sure that I provide value to those people. I absolutely want to. clearly you do because they've asked you back. Yeah, of Mm. course. And, And, you know, it's tricky because at those kind of events, you get people who are like, hey, I'm a pet dog trainer and, you know, I'm interested in getting better and I want the knowledge that you have all the way up to people who are high level sports, incredible competitive, like way better trainer than I could ever imagine to be. And I have to try and provide value to everybody in between. And I draw a fairly eclectic crowd and I'm fully aware that some of the people who attend my events are just there to learn, to teach things in the way that I teach things. Mm. They know the content better than me. They can do it better than me, but my skill set is in teaching. And so they're there to learn that. And so of course I can provide value in that regard, but it still does, still is stressful when someone brings out a dog that's incredible Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, how do I provide you value? Right. But I had an incredible time. It's exhausting because it's 24-7. You know, we live together, we train together, we eat together. Fabian gets in a private chef that's in this. It's incredible. There isn't a better word. Mm. The facility is when you're in the living area, you couldn't imagine that you're in a dog training facility. You're Mm. in this beautiful open space with this big commercial kitchen, couches, big beautiful dining table that everybody sits at and eats. There's a deck that goes onto the Chicago river. We've got a fire pit on there. And it'd be summer there now, right? Yep. Great weather. Yeah. And then you can walk through these double doors and you're in the kennel. There's training facilities and everything that you could imagine. So it's something else. And Mm. I, I really just want to show my appreciation, not just to Fabian for facilitating that and allowing me to do it there and making sure it all went perfectly, but also to the people, you know, his staff and everybody that, plays a role in that being possible to happen, but also to the people that entrusted me with the time to try and impart my knowledge to them. Because, you know, I'm aware it costs a lot of money. It's a big commitment. Yeah, you don't take it for granted. No, Mm. for sure not. And I think one of the things that weighs heavily on me is that when people pay a bunch of money to go to something for a week, they're also not earning money in that week. Yeah, there's an opportunity cost there. So I really appreciate it. And I, I had an incredible time. It's a retreat. And of course, I'm away from home and it's work and all of those sorts of things that make it hard to do. But it's so fulfilling to me. Like Mm. I had an incredible time. I've been thinking about it since I got back. I've used the word incredible a thousand times in the last five minutes, but that's really what it was. And I'm really looking forward to an opportunity to do it again. We've got to find a way to do that more than once a year. And we've got to figure all that out, but that's all on the card. So stay tuned for that. Next event, next opportunity is in Houston. It's that last weekend in October prior to PSA Nationals. We'd love to see you there. That's my pitch. Nice to hear you acknowledge people that have hosted you and, as you said, have looked after you. That's actually quite genuine of you to do that because sometimes when you're a host and you don't get feedback from people, like they just say, oh, thanks, mate, I enjoyed myself. Even though they did say, thanks, I enjoyed myself, sometimes you walk away going, did they really? (laughs) You know, I think when you genuinely pitch it like that, it's nice. We just had Cam here. He's been traveling around Australia Cam actually sent me quite a few heartfelt messages saying, hey, mate, thanks for you and Narelle for, you know, he stayed here for two weeks. Mm-hmm. He sent quite a few messages saying, mate, I really appreciate it verbally and sent texts and stuff like that. Once again, I thought that was really nice of him to do. And I enjoyed having him here. I love Cam, you know, like he's a sensational house guest. 
doesn't put a foot out of line. He's neat. He's tidy. He looks after himself. You know, he's not a big man baby that needs people running around and being <laughs> precious for him all the time. Like me. Um, some people do, you know, yeah, they yeah. can be precious and they can be difficult to look after. But over the years that we've hosted people, we've had some really cool people here. Mm. They get themselves up. They don't have to be told. You don't have to chase them around. They get out there. They do their job. They're timely. They do what they guarantee they're going to do. And I, I appreciate about people, but it's nice. It's nice when the host can thank the talent and the talent can thank the host. You know, like it's nice to actually know, did we do our reciprocal jobs well? Because it's a synergy between two parties that needs done. There needs sure. to be an understanding there that am I fulfilling what I needed to fulfill? Mm. For us, we host people here quite a bit as much as we can, as much as the opportunity allows. And it is nice to know we've got Michael coming. He's here next week. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited, but I'm also nervous about it because it's Michael Ellis, yeah, you yeah. know, like he's the king of pop. And, uh, <laughs> and but, but I adore Michael. I absolutely yeah. adore him. He's somebody that I've grown up with. I've learned a lot of my own skill set from watching Michael. And I know I said it when Cam was here and you were, you and he and I did the last episode, but I really want to make sure that he enjoys himself. But I also want to make sure that the people who pay enjoy themselves and yeah. see value in what we did. And I just hope we get it right for everybody. That's my main thing is I just want to make sure that people are enjoying themselves. They have an environment where they feel cared about and feel that they got value for money, but people also gave a shit about what actually goes on. And it was nice that when Cameron finished, not only did people thank Cameron, but they came out and thanked me as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I said, oh, you know, it's Cameron. And they said, yeah, but your staff were amazing, Glenn. Like we never went for anything. You had snacks out for us. You went and got the lunch for us. You went and, you know, like provide everything. I thought, oh, that's really nice yeah that made me feel good yeah i thought we succeeded we did what we were supposed to do cam did his job we did ours we did it and it's nice and i appreciate what you just said about fabian and his crew over there because they must all be relieved you know like they must say oh it was successful it was great pat was happy the people our customers who came over the people who attended they were happy they felt fulfilled they got what they wanted that's what i'm talking about it's that synergy between all the parties, all the moving parts come together and you think that's what real success is. Not just about me, it's about we. The group. The group, the entire atmosphere. Everybody walks away feeling like I got what I needed to get out of this. Totally. Yeah, it's a good thing. Anyway, Uh, you've got a topic. I do have a topic. I want to talk about planning and goal setting. That's an important topic. Yeah. One thing I've noticed a lot in the dog industry and in all aspects of the industry, right, whether Mm. we're talking about average pet dog owner yep. who just has a dog that they need help with and that's why we're interacting with them. Yep. All the way up to high-level competitors, mm. right? There's a lot of anxieties that get around in the, in the dog space. And hard to define that, you know, to put that into one category. But for the most part, anxiety is like a concern over the future, yep. right? It's worry about what's going to come. Like what does the future hold in store for me? And one of the things that I have worked on my whole life and I'm pretty good at is I tend not to invest a lot of time into worry because I feel all those same anxieties that everybody else feels, right? You know, that concern over what's going to happen in the future. But I have usually, for the most part, I try to turn that energy into action Yeah, and I use it to plan And so I know you're similar to me. I know we've had conversations about plenty of these things in the past and I war game everything in my head all the time. Now it's rare. Like if if I'm having a conversation with someone, unless you've caught me by surprise, 
it's rare that we're having a new conversation mm. <laughs> because I've planned that conversation, right? And I have what I think of as like decision points because, it, you know, my brain still, I wonder whether I have the type of brain that allowed me to be successful in the army or whether the army programmed me with this type of brain. I don't know which is chicken or the both? egg. I, yeah, mm-hmm. either way, yeah. right? But my brain works in decision points and flow yep. charts, right? So it's always a if this, then that. That's how my brain works. And so I try to plan ahead as many of those decision points as I possibly can. And what that allows me to do is the energy that would go into worry, all this anxiety, this concern over what can happen about, you know, everything, whether I'm going to be successful, whether the the dogs, things are going to work out with the dog, especially when you're dealing with dangerous dogs and starting to think about the, all the things that could go wrong in that regard, right? All these sorts of things when you're dealing with anxieties that creates that nervous energy within. And the way that I've always dealt with that is to try and turn that nervous energy into action, turn that nervous energy into a plan. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the planning in the dog space. Yep. Now, what I think there's like kind of like three stages to planning for the most part. Now, put those in the buckets of why, then what, and then how. Mm-hmm. And I think the first question that most people need to sort of ask themselves is why are you even in this, right? Have you ever considered that? Like, have you ever stopped and really thought like, why do I do this as a job? That's a question I ask myself a lot at a lot of different stages. Mm -hmm. There have been times and considerations where I thought maybe it's time to have a step out again. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a bad question to ask. I think it's a good question to ask as a health check, Mm -hmm. Not, not, not as a negative. I think it's a good thing to reflect on and just either confirm that you are doing the right thing or reanalyze where you are and think maybe it's time to move on because I'm stagnating in this position. Yeah. And I think one of the things of the way that we tend to think about your intentions, because, you know, like stating your why, there's plenty of self-help books on this. Simon Sinek has a book on, I think his book is called What Is Your Why or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. We have it in our mind that there's like right and wrong reasons to do things and that there's good and bad reasons to do things. I think like, you know, I could make that case. I could say that people do things for the wrong intentions or whatever, but if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. I think that it's worth understanding why you're doing things. Because for me, I think that when you define your why of to why am I training dogs? Why am I training this particular dog? Why am I on the particular path that I've set myself on? It doesn't mean that you should be looking for a way to talk yourself out of it. But what it is for me anyway, is it sets kind of like a left and right of arc. Having that why as to like, this is why I'm doing it. And that gives us more of an understanding of what we're trying to achieve. And without understanding why you're in it, there's no way to progress beyond that in the planning structure, in Mm. my mind anyway. If there's no why, if there's no understanding of like, why am I involved in this? And it could be simple. Like I think sometimes when people think about their why in regards to dog training, they want to make it over complicated and you can make it as complicated as you like, but it can also be super simple. Mm. It could just be because I love it. It could just be because it makes me happy. That's all it needs to be. But I think you've got to sort of come to the point of like, why do I do this? And when you can define your why as to why you're involved in training in general and why you're training a particular dog, That for me defines my left and right of arc very quickly, right? Because if I'm working towards something, that's my why. I'm working towards an ultimate goal. And when I know that, 
I can now tell when I'm off the path of what I'm trying to achieve because I'm no longer making progress towards my why. Mm. So like my why as a dog trainer is that I truly enjoy the process of training dogs. Like I really enjoy the problem solving aspect of it. I think one of the things it's multifaceted, but if I want to, if I had to sort of, you know, highlight and put in bold one section of why I do the things that I do is that I really enjoy the process of trying to communicate a complex thing to a dog. Yep. I don't know why that is, mm. I, but I have always enjoyed the idea of looking at a dog and going, hey, you and I don't speak the same language. I can't verbally communicate with you. I can't just explain to you what I want. You can't cognitively get that in the way that I'm used to with people but I want a complex thing of you <laughs> and I am going to try and figure out the process by which to communicate that to you. Mm. I don't know what the driver of that, where that came from, but I know that I enjoy it. I really enjoy problem solving. And that's one of the reasons why as a trainer, you know, I'm pretty good at training lots of dogs to do various things. But as I say, I'm, I regularly have people who are much better trainers than me come to me for advice. And I find that a little bit intimidating but it's always because there's a problem to be solved. And I'm just one of the consultations along the way, you know, and you get really incredible high level dog trainers that have achieved success far beyond what I will ever achieve. And they come to me and pay for my time because they say, Hey, I see in you what I know in myself, but you have a different set of experiences, different set of education, different set of dogs that have passed under the bridge. You're my second set of eyes. Yeah. I'm, mm. I'm interested in your input as to why is this happening and how do I change it? Well, you said a while ago, which I totally agree with, is even Tiger Woods had a coach. Oh, totally. And that coach may not have been as successful as Tiger Woods. He might not have been as good a player, but he's still there to tell Tiger Woods where he needs to clean his act up. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I think understanding your own why gives you that North Star. It gives you something to understand how you can be true to yourself along the way. And I think that's one of the things as well as when without a why, without planning in general, right, people tend to just sort of flap around without any clear direction. And of course, they'll never achieve anything when you're not actually committing to achieving one thing. You can't really achieve anything. Yeah. There's a stoic quote, I think, that's without knowing what port you're heading to, no wind is favorable. Mm. And so you don't really know without having set a direction and saying, this is what I'm working towards and, and why I'm working towards it. You don't know whether things are going good or bad. And I think that's one of the things that we see people, especially in the dog space, because we're, we're an interesting group of people. I had a conversation around the fire with everybody that was at this boot camp. We we're talking about how the dog world is full of crazy people. The word eclectic suits the dog world yeah. perfectly to yeah. a T. And people are like, oh, but what about this person? I'm like, we are all crazy. In mm. one way or another, everybody in this space is peculiar. <laughs> okay? Now, now some yeah. of us do a much better job of hiding that, mm. but we are all peculiar. Yes. M me, as much as everybody else. Of I, course. Like we're all weird to be in this space. We're all like lost children that came together. Yeah. Mm. And I just said my why is because I enjoy the process of manipulating animal behavior. Like mm. what the fuck, right? So like we're peculiar people. But you see a lot of people who are upset a lot of the time and they're working towards this and then that and all these different things and they're just sort of going with the breeze. And if your why is that you just want to be part of the community, then cool. But a lot of those people that are just bouncing around, in my experience, have never really sat down and thought, 
Like, why am I involved in this? Mm. Why do I do this? And especially when you're having, you know, difficult relationships with people or when training is getting difficult or it just gets hard. You know, there's people who drive, yeah, we got, we got club on tonight. Jay drives three hours to get here from club to work a dog for 20 minutes and then drives three hours home. Yep. Right. Without knowing what you're working towards, you can't commit to doing that kind of shit. You Mm. know what I mean? Like you can't commit to putting in that level of effort, that level of commitment without really understanding why you're doing it. Because when you're sitting in the car for three hours on your way to training, you got a lot of time to think, right? And you got a lot of time to think, fuck this, I'm turning around and going home, right? But when you know, no, I'm working towards something, I have a goal and whatever your goal is, One of the things that I think is worth pointing out is that some people's whys are pretty dark and it's okay to have a dark why. Can I give you an example? Yes. Without derailing you. Yeah. I revealed on the last episode that I'm looking into becoming a helicopter pilot. Mm -hmm. While I've notched that up, I've actually made the appointment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited about this. Me too. But we got into a conversation, the students and I recently, and people that heard the podcast, a few people reached out to me and said, hey, man, that's interesting. Uh Why? And I couldn't really answer it honestly until I worked it out. It's because I'm afraid of it. Oh, really? It's because I'm afraid of being up there by myself. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. I want to conquer that because I've had nightmares of it since. Yeah. Since I committed to it. It's not about crashing or anything like that. It's just about being up there alone by myself up in the sky. But I want to do it. And I'm going to do it. I'm committed to doing it now. I've booked a lesson. I'm going to go down and I'm going to start doing it because – It was the same for me when I started diving and I had a bad experience. Well, not a bad experience. I didn't have any experience, but I saw a shark in the water and that made me shit myself. But then that's what the dive instructor, Martin, said to me when we were over in the Maldives. He said, why are you so scared? What's the worst that's going to happen? You live in Australia with the worst sharks. He said, that's a little reef shark. He goes, he's more scared of you than you are of him. Mm. What is the problem? Why are you so scared? And I said, I actually don't know. When we uncovered it, it's because my bloody hypochondriac grandmother made me scared of things like that. (laughs) But she did it to my sister. She did it to everyone. She made everyone scared of stuff. So there's things like that, which I'm just not going to be held back by fear. Mm. You know, that's the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm scared of it. I'm Mm. genuinely scared. I'm scared to do the first lesson, but I'm fucking doing it. I'm going to face the fear and do it anyway. Not that I've got anything to prove to anybody else. It's not about being a cool guy, helicopter guy or anything like that. It's because I'm fucking scared of it Mm. and I don't want that to overrule my life. Like I've done things before. You know how crazy I am with starting things and stopping things and stuff like that. Like once I believe I got to a point where I thought, oh, I know what I need to know about that now. It's just that I need to know about it. It's just that I need to satiate myself on saying I've done it. I know what I need to know about it. And this is one of those things. I might get halfway through and think, fuck this, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, mm. like I've done it, I'm up there. Well, you might just tick the box. The cup might go full. Right, that's it. I think that's one of the interesting things. You and I are very similar in that regard is that I have my whole life been like a skill attainer, yeah. right, or an obsessive researcher. And in 2008, that skill was dog training, Yeah. right? So it was that I got at the bug and was like, hey, I'm going to learn how to do this shit. And I've never stopped, but some of them I get like, no, that cup's full. So you remember, was it 2020? I was like, I'm a kettlebell guy, Yep. right? And And I was fucking obsessed. (laughs) And it was like I did all the research and everything, but that cup went full pretty quick, like probably six months in. I was like, I know as much of this as I care to know. I'm not going to be a kettlebell instructor. I'm not going to teach that, but I, I have enough that I roll it in. 
And what I've done my whole life, and I know you've done the same, and I'm interested to see how you do this with the helicopter, is that I have this bucket of the self, right? Yeah. And each year I have like this cup that I fill, and that's this new knowledge of whatever the thing – or it's not necessarily each year, it, but it takes about an 18-month sort of two-year cycle – where I fill up this cup and then I pour it into the bucket. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like I have been researching this. How do I fit this into my life? And sort of like, you know, in very recent times for me, it's been, I enjoyed teaching. So when I was at the school, I learned how to teach. When I was at the special forces training center, I learned how to be a really good teacher in a high stakes environment, teaching very important things to people who really needed to understand it and apply it. Right. So I got quite good at that. And then that's a skill set that I've kind of carried forward. And then it got to the point where I was like, you know, I've learned dogs and now I can put both of those things. And now, oh, because I have this teaching skill set and now I have this dog skill set, I can apply those two together. Mm. And then a few years ago, I was like, I like cinematography. I like film and stuff. So I spent 18 months or so like obsessively researching that and got my skill set to a point where I was like, okay, I have that. Now I pour that into the bucket here. I like dogs still. I like teaching. And now I have this videography skill that I'm going to use in order to teach people about dog stuff, you know, Mm. like, and it just is a perpetual motion machine that keeps going. And I know that you're very similar and I'm very curious to see how the fuck helicopter piloting is going to fit into that. Well, the guitaring thing is still going. Like I realize that I'm such a novice on that journey, but I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's something that I find that I can sit down and, have some time to myself where I really enjoy just being alone and listening to the melody. Mm -hmm. Like I'm making that happen. I remember sharing that a while ago where I said there was an instructor who said, it's just some wood with some strings on it. The music comes from you. And that's why you come to realize like you with your learning how to do your cinematography and so forth is that, and, and even with our dog training skills is yeah, the dogs are participant in this and the dog has a brain and it's biological But all of these complex skills that you began this conversation about, you know, that we're imparting on the dog, there's no advantage for the dog intrinsically to do these things until the dog realizes, well, now it does benefit me. Now Mm. I see where my advantage lies because this big lump in front of me is showing me that there is purpose behind what we're doing here, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can see the path and I understand how my advantage plays out in this. Mm -hmm. I too really enjoy that. I love watching people create something and I certainly enjoy it when people don't have any natural talent and they're, they're nervous themselves, but then you can see them, develop over time. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to hear the rest of how the, the why okay, and how. So last thing I was saying was your dark why. Yes. And now that's why I said that was a dark why because I'm yeah. scared. I've only come to terms with that since what's today, Thursday. I only came to terms with that on the weekend. Yeah, right. So that's it was fresh. only a new development that yeah, it right. is I, I only sat with myself and really came to terms. That's what I'm glad you remind me of that. But I came to terms with I'm scared of this. Yeah, right. And, and that was a darkness that I had to face because then I'm thinking to myself, why do I want to do this? Mm. It's, it's a lot of money. There's time invested in it. There's back to school again. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to do a lot of study and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot in it. But why do I really want to do this? And it's because I'm fucking scared. Yeah. And yeah. then you'll realize you should be playing the drums, not the not guitar. the guitar. <laughs> well, drums will serve you better than a helicopter. A good friend of mine that was a helicopter pilot, he was like, man, it's just like playing drums in the air. Because that's the thing is that your feet, both feet and both hands are doing different things in a helicopter. Yeah, well, you've got the collective, which is your power up and down. You've got your pedals that you've got to operate. So like your feet feet essentially turn you left and right. Yes. What looks like the handbrake is your altitude up and down. And then your right hand or the stick is sort of your azimuth, like where you're pointing and will move you forward, back or left and right. And so like that – 
is a lot going on, all different things and different. Anyway. I digress. I carry on. <laughs> so the dark why, right? And yeah. the thing about if your why is a dark why, that's only a problem, I think, if you don't acknowledge that. It's mm. totally fine to have a really dark why. Like you might be getting into dog training to prove someone wrong, right? Yeah. You know, like I said, there's no good or bad, but if you're motivated by something like that, acknowledging that to yourself, I think is really important. Yeah, I agree. And, and I know lots of people who have done it for those very reasons. Yeah, and cool. Fill mm. your boots. Like, yeah. go ahead. I'm not here to talk anybody out of doing this or yeah. saying that your intentions are right or wrong. But I think that really getting to the core of it and understanding why you're involved and knowing is that something that I'm working towards or is that something that I'm I, I'm moving away from? Because either one is fine. Like either one's totally fine. Yeah. Because in dog training, I wouldn't say that I have a dark why. I think that my why is I enjoy it. I, I truly do enjoy it. But my sort of why in the bigger picture of life is very dark, right? Mm. Like it's quite dark. And I acknowledge that, that I'm a dog trained by negative reinforcement alone. I don't need positive reinforcement. I'm always looking to relieve a pressure. And I know that of myself and I live my life in accordance with that. But so long as you know it, it's fine. It's when you convince yourself that that's not the case, when it really is the case that it can really bite you in the ass. Mm. So as I say, there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad, but there is sort of moving towards and there is moving away. And so long as you know which one of those you're doing, you're good. You can then be true to your why and your intent. Yep. That's knowing the why of yourself. The next thing I think that has to be is like the why of the dog that you intend to train. Mm. Now that can be really basic from I am a professional trainer. My personal why is I'm a professional trainer because I enjoy training dogs. Yep. And the why of the dog could be the person with money has asked me to train this dog, right? Yep. It could be as basic as that. Or it could be up to like really complex as to like, this is the dog I'm going to train because it's of the bloodline that I have selected and researched and it displays the attributes of the dog that I want to have or, you know, everything in between. The middle could be that this is just the dog that I have, right? Whatever the reason why that dog's getting trained, I think that you've really got to understand that because sometimes I've said this to people like, okay, I get that you're into training. I totally understand your why, but this dog is incongruent with your why why is this the dog that's going to be on your training journey? Because if your training, if your why is that I want to achieve something, I want to stand on the podium, well, then you need a dog who's capable of doing that. Because if the dog's why, like why is he involved, is just because you had that dog, well, then that isn't necessarily going to allow for you to achieve yours. To segue into that conversation, and fascinating that you brought that up because we're having a conversation about this with assistance dogs today. And without hurting anybody's feelings about it, but there are plenty of people out there who need an assistance dog or need a therapy dog in some way, shape or form, but they want to bring the dog in that's totally unsuitable for it because it's their dog. Yeah. And in the early days, just for a bit of reference, but in the early days there was in the calamity that led up to people having assistance dogs and therapy dogs and so forth, there were dogs that were totally unsuitable to be in public places, Mm -hmm. which is why public access tests were brought about and government stepped in and and laws were developed around this thing because it was total and utter fucking chaos, Mm -hmm. which led to emotional support peacocks trying to get on airlines and so forth. Who would want to be on an airline where a bird could lose its shit and fucking run through the cabin 
I'm not making fun of people for wanting the animal they want. I'm not doing that to people. But you've got to understand that there were places where people were taking dogs into restaurants where dogs were resource guarding the fucking table and running mm. out and biting waiters and legs and stuff yeah. like that. And that's totally unacceptable. And there are people who were involved in the industry who were trainers who were still utilising those type of dogs. And then you would say, but why? Yeah. Why would you have those type of dogs? When you look at professional organisations who breed for a type of dog, who select for a type of dog, who understand what you need to actually have – Interesting about that, and I want to jump in on that, a couple of the girls who are on the course right now who are involved in one of the assistance training programs, and I think it's visually impaired dog training, Mm -hmm. they were talking to me about the process of selection criteria for the puppies. And what the vets do in conjunction with the trainers is they put heart monitors on puppies while they're doing their critical period socialization so they can monitor the heart variances of the dogs. They already know who the dogs are by a couple of weeks based on the experiences and the heart wow. rate of the dogs. And I said, that is fucking amazing. Mm. I said, I'm stealing that and calling it the Glenn Cook. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, too late, it's already. And I said, but th- I said, honestly, though, jokes aside, I said, that is amazing. So they're developing something of a like a superficial test of, of stress, I suppose. So what they do is they put the dogs in normal stressful situations, lifestyle yeah. situations, and the puppies who, whose heart rates go off the chart, they're out of the program yeah, immediately. makes sense. Because they're automatically overloading when, yeah. when they're introduced to stimuli. Yeah. So the dogs that their heart rates are just a little rise and going back down again, they're the dogs that they want in the program. Mm. And I said, makes complete sense because that's the type of dog that needs to be in that program. Yeah. You know, you want to- Not over- easily aroused. Not easily aroused. A dog that goes, oh yeah, I see you and yeah. you know, whatever, you're, you're part of the environment, cool, who cares? Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about is ultimately what we're trying to do is achieve generalization for those type of dogs anyway. Mm. But nonetheless, a fascinating conversation around that type of selection criteria. Yeah, it makes total sense. Great, huh? Yeah. Certainly to use that, like, you know, I'd be interested to see how much detail they then go into that. Like, would they wash a dog completely or would it have to have other attributes? You know, like, would that be enough? Just he got a, his heart rate spiked at this. Is that it? He's washed or does that have to be a part of a bigger picture? I believe they're washed when they see that it's a repeating reoccurrence yeah, on, right. the, okay, on the yeah. dog. Like when the dog is exposed, they can just see this dog stresses too easy yeah. and it loads up. And, yeah. you know, like it's as Roger Abrantes educators, the facts don't lie. Yeah. You know, like when you are that young and you're stressing out and it's yeah, that's right. several weeks apart and you're still being exposed to the environment and your heart rate's still going up when yeah. you're seeing things. And if they've got the data sets on, like, I guess that's my question is, have they got the data sets to say we've seen this happen in puppies and they turn into this kind of dog that is not suitable. So now we can wash them as puppies or is that they're thinking, Oh, well, because it got any, like we assume that it's not going to be the right kind of adult dog. Like I presume that they've seen enough through to then go, well, I know where this leads rather than an expectation or a guess or an assumption that it leads to a particular point. I'm not going to answer that with any certainty because I don't know. Yeah. And it's just a conversation that I've just finished having literally before I walked into this podcast. Nonetheless, I thought absolutely fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, for sure. And I said, it makes sense to me because, I mean, on the flip side of that, they don't want a dog that is easily aroused and is not nervous but spins up into drive Mm -hmm. and wants to go and play and chase after everything when really they need to be hanging around somebody and retrieving objects and, you know, making their life better. They need that neutral dog that is basically the Goldilocks syndrome of not too hot, not too cold, just right. Yeah, well, then you're spot on in that, 
the why for a person who needs an assistance dog is right there. Okay. Well, uh, the reason I'm getting into training is because I need a dog to assist me in these various tasks. Exactly. Why this dog? Well, the answer has got to be better than it's the dog that I have, right? It's got to be why this dog is because that dog demonstrates the attributes that will make it suitable to be that dog. Indeed. And that can be a very broad spectrum. It's taken me a while to sort of really understand this is that an emotional support dog can be a reactive mess. Yeah. Like, because it's sometimes just a dog that you love and makes you feel good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think that sometimes the reactive dog is not just caused by the reactive person, but also it gives the reactive person, like, it's a distraction. Dealing with the dog and its problems stops them having to confront their own problems. Yeah. Right. And, and so, like, I totally get it's it. Something to download into. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. But that's what I mean. Understanding the why of you and the dog and making sure that those two things are congruent. Because one of the things that gives me the heebie-jeebies, and this is sort of where I'm going with the why of both, is that your why and the dog's why have to be congruent, right? And when you're on parallel paths, sweet, like everything's good. But when your why and the dog's why deviate and you see people kind of having to make a stretch as to why this is the dog, you know, this is the dog that I'm doing the training with. Yeah, we had a dog during the week at the boot camp that was not a dog on the course. So the lady had a different dog, but wanted to, she got out her own dog because it was a, a kennel dog that yep. she was using on the course. She got out her own dog to do something with and wanted to get something else from the dog. And I had to say to her, I was like, but why are we bothering? Because this dog has no interest in doing that. And you have a great dog. Like this dog's fantastic. It's flat as shit. Like, but why don't we just leave it like that? Yeah. Because as I said, I know a lot of tricks. I know how to bring out a lot of drive in this dog, but it's not going to be good for the dog. And you've got to know when to say when. Yeah. And Mm. so for sure, you know, whatever the things you want to achieve, for the most part, we can smash a square peg through a round hole. Or we could just go out and buy a round peg. Right. Like, and and I think that you keep that square peg over here as your little travel buddy and he hangs out with you. And if you have things to achieve, we go and buy a dog that can achieve the things that what you want to achieve. If that's your why you and the dog's why have to be congruent. All right. So then we've got to talk about what, because once you have a why, then you can set a goal as to what it is you actually want to achieve. Mm. Now, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with. And I see people that do multiple sports or go to multiple events and are doing all these various things with their dogs. Now, that's fine if the what that you've set is every sport I can think of, right? Yeah. But most people, when I see them doing every sport they can think of, it's because they haven't really nutted out which is the one they want to do right? Mm. They, they haven't set a strong goal as to this is what I want to achieve. They're still just sort of, I'll do a bit of this, do a bit of this, do a bit of this. Now, there's no right or wrong answers to any of this. This is just a self-reflection and knowing why am I doing it? What am I doing? And if the what is that I just want to do 10 sports with my dog, then sweet, do 10 sports poorly. Go ahead. That's fine. But if your what is that I want to be successful in a particular sport or if the what is that I have this problem, dog, and I need it fixed. Mm. And if you're a professional, it could be the what is like this is my defined training program. Like this is in the contract that we have when you brought dropped off the dog to me, I said to you in six weeks, I'm going to return to you a dog that has X, Y, Z behavior. But something that is definable, something that can be written down, something that can be measured because – again, to be stealing more quotes that I'm stealing from all over the place is that uh, setting a specific goals allows us to measure success and what gets measured gets managed. Mm. And so 
when you know what it is you're working towards, when there's a line in the sand where you say, that is where I'm headed towards, it allows you to be able to tell whether you're making success along the way. Mm -hmm. And you can course correct if you're not, and you can continue doing what you are doing and can keep doing it if you are. But a lot of the time when we really get into the nitty gritty on people's training programs, what they're doing with their dog, when you say, hey, are you closer to your goal than yesterday? They don't really have an answer because the goal has not been completely defined. Mm. And so the what is your goal? Like what is it exactly that you're working towards? The second part that I think is super important in having a what, like having a really well-defined goal is knowing when you fucking achieve it. Yes. That is one of the most important things mm. because first of all, allow yourself that success. A lot of people who don't have a really clear goal as to what they're working towards will never feel the stress relief of having achieved it, right? When you're always thinking it's the next thing, it's the next thing, you never allow yourself to sit and be present in the moment of the thing you just achieved, right? And if you don't know what you're working towards, you really don't know whether you're making progress or not, because if there is no endpoint, you don't know whether you're like moving towards or away from it, left or right of it. And so it's very difficult to ever truly enjoy training or truly enjoy the process because you don't know whether you're being successful or not. You don't know whether that was a good session or a bad session. You don't know whether you're moving towards the goal or away from it because there isn't a goal to move towards. The other area of concern in that I think when we're talking about success in your goals and being able to celebrate your goals is people set them too far apart. Totally. Like they don't have like a linear track record where they can say, let's just shorten this out so I can celebrate along the way and we can reach a milestone and I can feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And then we can say, all right, let's redefine. Let's have a look at it. Let's reanalyze and start again. Not start again, but we're on a success pathway mm -hmm. now and it's looking good. You yeah. know, the dog's in check. I'm in check. Our parallels are together. Mm -hmm. We're not deviating from where we need to go. Mm -hmm. We are in sync. Mm -hmm. Let's continue to go to the next nodule of the reward pathway. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see a lot of people lose interest in this because they overshoot the mark and they don't know what it is, Yeah, you know, and they feel totally despondent for it. And because, you know, like I've said to them, that was great. That was really good. And they look at you with bewilderment in their eyes going, yeah, but it's not this. And I said, yeah, but that's down the track. That's a week or two away from here. That's not today. Mm -hmm. Today's session is just doing that one doodle on the page. Like mm -hmm. we said in last week's episode, let's celebrate this. This is a good thing that you've just done today. Yep. You should be happy with what that, but they can't see it yep. because in their mind to utilize another phrase, and I've thrown this around a lot, but I still like it. It's still something that I consider in most things that I'm trying to do myself. Even when I get disorientated, I come back to this quote, begin with the end in mind. Mm. And I think that even though you're beginning with the end in mind, you have to understand that that sometimes there's variances in there that have to happen mm -hmm. because there's no way around them. And that's something that I suffered with internally because I thought this is not looking like the goal. Mm. But then I realized it's how the goal has to play out. Even though I had a plan, I had a picture because I'm working with a dog that's biological and changes as it starts to grow and develop and its brain changes and develops the goal sometimes shifts left and right and you have to be flexible. Mm -hmm. You said a while ago, I don't know where you got the quote from, whether you've made it up yourself or you heard someone say it, but you said the flexible shall prevail. Mm. And I really like that quote. That's another one that is going to hang with me for the rest of my life. It's something that I now say to other people to remind them flexibility is prevailing. Yeah. You have to be. 
you just don't feel the relief with rigidity that you do with flexibility. Yeah, for sure. I for sure stole that from someone else. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's a great quote. I love it. I think it's a good quote that people should jot it down or carry it with you. It's one. It is one of those quotes that yeah. it's life changing. You know, sometimes people will say a profound sentence. That's one of them for me. The amount of value that that actually carries because you can extend that into most things that you do is don't be rigid. Yeah. Be flexible. Yeah. Bruce Lee always used to say, "Be like water, like my water, friend." Yeah. yeah. Um. The last thing I just want to harp on about with the what mm. is defining a goal and write that down, make that a real thing, make that tangible. Manifest. Yeah. And I think one of the things since I have, I'm going to have to eventually do an episode or a, a video or something about the way that I'm journaling currently because I'm really happy with it. I was explaining it to people along the way last week and I didn't realize all the detail of it in what I'm doing and how happy I am with it until I was telling the story of it, you know, and then you're like, oh, holy fuck, I do a lot here. I haven't even started. I'm so lazy with that. Mate, but it, I don't understand it. It that's, changed that's, your life. Yeah, I need I, to do a lesson yeah, on I just, it all. I know you talk to me about it, but it's just I don't get it. This has changed my life for yeah. sure. But one thing that you I've are really – Oh, for sure, without mm. a doubt. Yeah. One thing that I've really truly come to appreciate about journaling is writing things down. When you're setting a goal, it's pretty easy just to sort of think that through in your head. And then next time you're like, what was my goal again? And then modify it a little bit to make it like easier or to take it or worse, make it harder to, to upset yourself. Your brain fucks with you badly, right? <laughs> but having it written down mm. and what's important about that is not just so that you can work towards, but I really can't stress enough the importance of knowing when you've achieved it. Mm. That I think is one of the things that I see people missing quite so a lot. So you're landmarking. Yeah. But mm. I mean, allowing yourself that success, right. Mm. And going like, I fucking did it. Yeah. And now I can set a new goal if, if need be, right. If that's appropriate or I restart, I move on, whatever it is, but writing down what is my goal and applying the dead man's test to that goal is super important as well. So like for people in the sports, the goals are easy. I want my IGP three. I want a PSA two, you know, whatever it is, it's super definable because the rules are written. You can then just write it down, but it's people who aren't working towards someone else's goal. Now, one of the things that say, if you've got a, a reactive dog, right? Hmm. It's not good enough to say, I want that dog not to be reactive anymore because a dead man is not reactive. I was going to say, can you explain the dead man's yeah, test? Yeah, so the dead man's test is in behavioral science is that you cannot teach a dog to do something that a dead man can do. Mm. And so very often people define their goals and they don't apply the dead man's test to it. And so I've been harping on this for years with mm. clients when people come in and they say, hey, like, you know, reactive dog and go, oh, I don't want the dog to be reactive anymore. And we're like, okay, but every dog is reactive at a certain point. What is it like, because I can make any dog cook off. I can put any dog in defense. I can put enough pressure on any dog that's going to come at me. I can bring on a nervous, reactive, aggressive, whatever response from any dog. Mm. We have to set the bar of what achieves that, right? Because really saying my dog's not going to be reactive or I want the dog not to be reactive. That doesn't pass the dead man's test because dead man isn't reactive. Mm. We need to say under what circumstances do you want your dog to be able to keep it together and set a goal in that regard. And look into your lifestyle and say, 
where is it that I have problems with my dog? Is it that I want to be able to walk down the street to get my coffee in the morning and not have anything along that way concern me? Perfect. That's a goal we can work towards yep. because we have parameters around it, right? We can reasonably expect like what could we reasonably expect it for you and your dog to encounter between your house and where you get coffee. Mm. Okay. Well, we've got roads, we've got traffic, we've got people, we've got other dogs, we've got loud noises, all the things that we can Determine. We you can, can define. Plot it out. Yeah. yeah, we can define them. We can yeah. go and we can look. We can plan. We can actually sit there and observe the area and go, okay, over a number of weeks, this is what we see happen. This is what we need to get to achieve with the dog. Does this resemble warfare for you? It's all the same. Yeah. This is how it works. Yeah. It's all the same. I'm listening to you talking about this and I can see Pat Special Forces guy coming out in you. <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure, there's a big element of yeah. that. And in the Patreon episode, it kind of I even forgot that I did it, but there's that one where I taught Remy to run around that garden in yes. a circle, right? Yep. Well, the first half of that or probably third of it is about planning. It's yep. about how to plan that session. And I use the army template, SMEAC, right? Which yep. is like how to actually set up to know all the things along the way. What does and that mean? What's the breakdown? SMEAC is situation, mission, execution, admin logistics, command and control or command and signals, command yep. and signals. It's all these things that these headings that you need to hit. But for us, like goal is the mission, right? And within SMAC, the mission is said twice. That's the most important thing because without that, there isn't a point. Everything for me is mission focused. Mm. Like that's the way that I've always lived my life is I, there has to be a mission. You have to be working towards something. And, you know, that allows you to determine left and right. Mm. I was thinking about this, right? So this is how my brain works because fucking airlines are a disaster now, right? Like all the partnerships fell apart during COVID, right? So my flight to Chicago it's Qantas flight that I booked through Qantas, but the leg from LA to Chicago was a United Airlines leg. Even though I booked it through Qantas, they are not in a partnership with United. No, they're in a partnership with Virgin. Yeah. So mm. I had to pay my excess baggage, right? Yeah. Because my two bag piece that I'm allowed with Qantas, they don't carry over to United. And so they told me at the airport in Sydney, hey, you can pay for it here and it's 300 bucks. Or you can pay it in LA and we don't know how much that will be, but it will likely be less because you're you're there direct and this is paying for your bag here from Sydney and it'll just be that leg. And I immediately was like, no, I'll pay the 300 right now because I'm a super mission focused person and the mission is to get there. And if I can solve the problem now, then I want to solve the problem now. And I was reflecting on that because then when I got there and I realized it only could have cost me $50, (laughs) right? I was like, yeah, but the reason I made that choice and I still support that choice was I could solve that problem immediately and not have to worry about whether that impacts my ability to be where I need to be with the equipment that I need on time, Mm. right? Because what immediately went through my head is the mission focus of it's my bite suit that causes these issues, right? Traveling with a bite suit is fucking difficult. Yep. But if the bite suit's not there, there's no point in me being there, right? Like I'm going there to do dog training and in my dog training bag, in the bite suit bag is all my dog training gear. Yep. So the mission is get there with that thing. Mm. And I'm not prepared to accept any risk that, means that it's not getting there or that I miss flights or whatever. And so even though it's just your bag, I had cause to reflect on it all. I was like, why did I do that? (laughs) Why did I pay (laughs) an extra 250 bucks to get my bag there? And I was like, that's why is because I was like, that's a problem I can solve right now. Yep. 
And I know that that's off the table as as being of any concern to me and, and allows that me makes to continue sense. the mission. Yeah, but that's how my brain always works. Is like, yep. if you can solve the problem, fucking solve it, get it out of the way and continue on. Mm. Anyway, I'm harping on about it, but the what, knowing what that is, is because you need to know when you've achieved it. That's beyond sort of having something to work towards. It's also knowing that there's a finish line that you can cross. I think that's super important when you're training a dog or when you're setting any kind of goal of anything is that you need to set a goal. First of all, that is up to you whether it can be achieved or not. And so that's one of the things I think is dangerous. And I've counseled people on that. So like when we started to bring PSA to Australia, one of the things that I was very careful never to say out loud was that I wanted to be the first person in PSA in Australia to get a level three. Mm. I want a level three. I want it, but I'm not going to get it with Remy. He's aged out. I'm going to have to start again. But if my goal was to be the first to get a, a level three on a dog, I'd be in big trouble now because I'm coaching a ton of other people who are very likely to be able to do that. Mm. Now I'm incongruent with myself because what am I going to do? Sabotage those people until I can get another dog and raise that dog and overtake those people. Like that means that my goal and my ability to achieve my goal is outside of my hands. Well, see, I set my bar low in that. My bar was achieved because all I wanted Randy to do was be the first German Shepherd with a PSA title in the country, and we did it. He did age out on me and COVID happened and stuff like that, you know, which is heartbreaking and so forth because that's it. It yeah, is what yeah. it is. I wanted at least a two. Yeah. You know, I wanted a two on it, and that was my goal with him. I thought, I just want to get a two with Randy. Yeah. Getting a two, that's up to you, right? That's up to you and the dog and the the game. What I think is super important in setting any kind of goal when you're setting your what is that you have to be able to achieve it without somebody else's success can't impact your goal. Mm. So saying that you're going to win something, I don't think is a very good goal. Saying you want to get full points at nationals is a fantastic goal. Mm. But saying that you just want to win means that you can win by sabotaging someone else, mm. right? And you're not in control of what other people do. And I think that's one of the places that people cause themselves anxiety around their own goals is when the, their success relies on either the success or failures of others. And I think that that sort of defeats the purpose of having such strong planning and takes the autonomy away from you when your goal is outside of your control. It removes the fun from it, of course, yeah. and it becomes a little nefarious. Yeah. So saying that like, you know, sort of in financial terms when people say, I want to be the first person to have a million dollars in my street. Well, that's not a healthy goal, right? Saying I want a million dollars, sweet, that's fine. Mm. But in comparison to somebody else, that's not a good move yep. because that will give you anxieties around what other people are doing, but also give you the opportunity or maybe even the drive or the you're giving yourself permission in doing that to sabotage the attempts of somebody else. So competitiveness is funny like that, right? Like I think that you should just be competitive with yourself. Mm. For me, in the things I want to achieve, it's really important for me that I set goals that can't be impacted by other people, yep. right? And certainly not what I, what is absolutely super important for me in the way my brain works is that other people's success can't affect my goals negatively mm. because I want success for other people. I want to be on your team. I yep. want to be cheering for you as well. Mm. And if my goal is that I win something, then I can't be happy for you if you beat me, right? Or if you're doing well, I can't be happy for you. My goal has to be that I want 100%. I want full points. Mm. And if that leads to me winning, fucking sweet. But if you get full points and we stand on the podium together, I'm just as happy. 
like, especially in dogs, we don't compete against each other. It's not like we're mono and mono. Like we're just doing the same test. I don't think everyone scored. agrees with you on that. <laughs> no, and they don't have to. They don't have to. Yeah. But they're not, probably not going to be as happy as me. Yeah. Right? Well, like, that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's no right or wrong, but this is what I mean. If you <laughs> set a goal that relies on other people's successes and failures for you to be able to achieve your goal, your happiness or your insert buzzword, right? Happiness, success, fulfillment, all those things, that's not up to you anymore. Mm. And back comes your anxieties around there. You started this conversation off with saying there's a lot of strange personalities within this industry. Mm -hmm. Some of the people who I find have been some of the most successful people are fucking hot messes mm. because they're just not happy. Yeah. You know, like they've still got an enemy to conquer and yeah. beat all the time. They're probably driven by a very dark why. Yeah. And the more that we're kicking into this episode, the more that's starting to reveal itself. Yeah. And, you know, it's I've got images and thoughts of people in my head, both locally and abroad, who fall deeply into that category. For sure. And, and I'm sad for them. Yeah. I'm sad for them that they're not finding their peace. And that their dog is a tool for them and not a, a companion yeah. in this. But for me, and again, I know I'm harping on in it, but that goal is a line in the sand that tells mm. you not just what you're working towards, but when you, you have to know when you've achieved it, but defining a goal that doesn't rely on other people's success or failure. Your own goal needs to only include you because you're not in control of what other people do. You'll mm. be let down by others. You'll be beaten by others, right? So your goal for you and your dog needs to be one that you and your dog can achieve no matter what happens around you. And no matter who supports you, no matter who puts you down, no matter the environment around, mm. your ability to achieve success in what you've put forward needs to be totally up to you mm. because then you can do it, right? And it's you're responsible for your own success, you're responsible for your own failure. But it's when you set a goal of saying, I'll be the only – that's a dangerous thing to do because then, you know, you're in competition with other people that you have to make them your enemy at that point. And as I say, for me, that's important because I often say I'm not a competitive person. It's not that I'm not competitive. It's because I'm fucking hyper competitive and I don't like myself in competition with others to the point where I always use the same example. When I was in that MEP, stupid MEP challenge with Matt it was who could get them, like basically who could run their heart the longest, right? Mm. Chasing these stupid points that was a heart rate zone thing. This is my best friend. I had to hate him. I had to turn him into a villain. Mm. I had to, in my mind, make him someone that I needed to destroy to the point, even though he had conceded defeat, I was out running hill sprints till midnight at the, the last night of the competition and it was over nothing. The loser had to get a tattoo that said outmapped, but mm. I'm covered in stupid tattoos. Like what's another one, right? <laughs> that, that wasn't the stress. It was that I had put myself in competition with another. And my goal of winning that competition relied on him losing. And it was destructive in a way that I regret because my goal wasn't to get fitter. It wasn't to earn these points. It wasn't to do a certain amount of working out. It was to beat him, yep. right? And that didn't feel good as I was doing it. It didn't feel good afterwards when I did achieve it. But the level of stress and anxiety it caused along the way was terrible because I'm not in control of what he did. And and so I'm only in control of how hard I can work. I'm not in control of how hard others can work. I admire you for saying that. Well, it's I do. <laughs> it's the truth. I'm not saying that just because we're on a podcast. I admire you for saying that. Yeah, well, I because that it. that is a deep demon to tackle. Yeah, to be able to confront that. And, oh, mate, I know who I am. Yeah. 
Well, that's power in itself. As I'm a very big fan of the quote, know thyself, a lot of us truly don't because we don't want to acknowledge the darkness. For sure. The darkness is scary. Dipping your toe into who the shadow self of you are. Yeah. I think that inside of us, as we discovered before, there cohabitates multiple personalities of ourselves. Like we're not just one version of ourselves. There's multiple versions. There's the face and the image that you want people to see. And there's the person who you're alone with. Yeah. We were talking again today in, in class in the, the student group. And one of the students said to me, have you ever been in one of those tanks before? What are they called? The, um, where you get inside the water and they close the lid down. It's a cryo tank, not Uh, a cryo tank, a a float tank. A float tank. Mm. And I said, oh, yeah, I've had some moments in a float tank. And I said, one of my mates got one in Melbourne and he invited me around to try it out. And I said, the first time I found it like annoying and uncomfortable, the second time I had a really good experience and the third time I did not. The third time my dark side surfaced and him and I were battling it out in there and I, I was banging on the door to get out because he goes, what's wrong? And I said, just let me out, dude. I've said, I'm done. I'm done. It was something that I had to go back and revisit at a later stage. I wasn't ready for it then and I didn't realise what was actually happening and I was too young to understand it. Mm. My brain was too immature. I think maturity does this to you as you get older. You realise that there are times that you have to confront those different versions of yourself. I've seen you doing it and I've heard you talking about your experiences in doing it and I've thought it's interesting to hear that because there are a lot of people that I know really need to do this but they fucking shelve it. You just see they're not a happy person. They're not complete. They never really reach that point that you're trying to talk about, you know, reaching these ultimate goals or or feeling good about things or being able to celebrate things. They're always running from something, you know, like never getting to somewhere. And I thought I think to myself now – that must be really fatiguing. It, it just must be fucking exhausting. Yeah, fucking nice. Hmm. Before we conclude. Oh, we've still got another thing. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked why. Yes. We've talked what. Yes. When you have those two, how becomes so fucking easy. Mm. It's ridiculous how easy. This is one of the things that I've gotten flack over in the past and my haters online fucking go mental about this, but- I think dog training is super easy. (laughs) I think that training a dog to do stuff, getting a dog that's correctly motivated and learning how that dog is motivated to a very intricate level, that's hard. Learning to communicate with a dog in exactly what you want and understanding from the dog's perspective how it thinks and feels, that's hard. But when you have those two things, training a dog to do stuff is fucking easy. Of course, yeah, I agree with you. It's so easy, right? Yeah, I agree with you. When you know the why, yours and the dog's, when you set a goal, right, and you're working towards it, from there you can just tear it all apart and set up a training plan that's super easy. So what you just said, which I totally agree with and I'm on board with, is you didn't say it's all easy. No. You said once you get those hard components out of the way, yeah. then it becomes yeah. easy. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. 100%. Yeah, mate. It, I like, totally agree with that. Actually training a dog to do stuff yeah. is so easy. Yeah. It's getting the dog ready to that point. That's the tricky part. Yeah, and that's the part that takes all the skills and discipline. 100%. Yeah. But Mm. when you've got it all, when you know how to motivate the dog and you can communicate with the dog, you're just talking to them after that. It's super easy. Yep. But it's developing those skill sets. But when you've got a why, yours and the dog's, you've got a, a goal, which is your what. It's a line in the sand that you're working towards and you'll know when you cross it. 
the how becomes super easy and it's just process after that. Mm. And you know, this is the beauty of having like such a strong why and what is that the how becomes easy and you know whether you're making progress and mm. you can you can test and adjust. Even if you're not the best trainer, even if you're new to this or whatever, you can tell whether you're making progress. You understand, am I moving closer to my goal or am I moving further away from my goal? And I can test and adjust what I'm doing. Mm. From there, there's a million people you can talk to. There's courses you can do. There's seminars you can go to. There's coaches you can get. It's so easy, all that. But it's easy when you know why you're doing it and what it is that you're working towards. The how is so fucking simple when you have those two things. Yeah. And when people come to me and they, they don't know the how – that's super easy for me or somebody more suitable, whoever is the expert in the how to explain to them, so long as they've got a why and a what. Mm. When those two things are in place, it's just like motivating and communicating with the dog. It's that when the person understands why they're doing it and why they're doing it with this particular dog, what it is that they're working towards, the actual step to step is easy because we just break apart what it is you want to do. Mm. We just break it into its component pieces and go, okay. You want to get PSA one on your dog? Oh, these are the skills. It's written down in the book. Yep. The points are here. Okay, we've got to teach all these things. No worries. These are the basic skills we need. These are what we build on that. This is how we get to the complex skills. Got it. All right. You've got a nervous reactive dog and you want to be able to go get coffee. All right. Sweet. Well, we're going to have to pass people. We're going to have to pass dogs. We're going to have to start desensitizing, counter-conditioning. We're going to have to teach the dog how we want him to react to these stimuluses. We're going to have to show the dog that it's safe to do all this. Like it's so easy mm. when you have the defined goal. And so that's my advice is that for planning, your why is super important, your what is super important, but the how comes of those two things. And without those, the how gets difficult. Yeah. That's why people will say, this is hard. You know, it's work. Yeah, it's difficult to, it's fucking easy to achieve. Mm. It's super easy when those other two pieces are in place. Yep. That's my rant. And you haven't trivialized that either. So no. if, if your haters are misaligned on that. It's no, their, fuck them. I agree, fuck <laughs> them. But the point being is that they have not listened to those, you know, like, do. but it's built on two important pillars. Yeah. And there are usually two or three pillars on a foundational base that hold the ceiling up. Yeah. And the what and why are two pillars that are holding up the how. Mm-hmm. I fucking totally agree with that. It makes sense. I love it. I think that's brilliant. I think it's a what you just said. I'm all on board with it. Wonderful. Yeah. Should we go train dogs? Yeah. Before we do, I had to go up to Noosa while you were away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was driving backwards and forwards a ridiculous amount of times between Brisbane and Sunshine Coast. And when I was doing it, I got to finish Punished by Rewards. Oh, yeah. I like the second half of the book far okay. more than I like the first half of the book. Mm-hmm. The first half of the book I didn't really enjoy, but when he started to get into child psychology, it started mm-hmm. to make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that's where he really sort of brought it home. I'm not saying I enjoyed the book as a whole. I found it conflicting between Mm -hmm. first half and second half, Mm -hmm. but I enjoyed second half more. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts? I'd agree with that. Like I said, I didn't enjoy it at all, Mm. but I found it valuable. Yes. Which I think is important. There are always elements that whether you agree entirely with them or not, it doesn't mean that there's not useful sections out of it, you know, that you can cherry pick out and you can say, well, that's adaptable to my lifestyle or my teaching or my coaching or the way that I want to do things or the way I want to explain things to my kids or the way that I want to explain things to my workforce. I have had a chat with my colleagues at work about a few of those principles of when you're using incentives, it's interesting that the science dictates that it's not what you think it is because you're often thinking, well, this is working for me, but when other people are dragging their feet behind it, 
and you're not really getting the elevation that you believe you should be getting. And it's proven time and time again, like companies have done it, scientific teams have worked on it, and the facts are rolling in to say it's not working. Mm. There is something to be gleaned from that. That's where I did get some value out of the book. Yeah. That's where, that's where I was very interested. My ears started to prick more and more. Yeah. When I had a brief soiree in a real job mm. last year, that was interesting to me was the incentives part. And that was what I agreed with and disagreed with in the book is that he talks about like sales guys not being incentivized by bonus structures and pay. That is total bullshit. That is all they're incentivized by. If you're selling white label, like you're selling a product that's not yours, mm. All you're incentivized by is fucking selling the product to make the money, get the commission that you make. To tell me I worked in a company with 160 sales guys and they're all working towards their commission. Mm. I promise you that's all that matters to them. They're just there to make the money, right? They have to believe in the product, but it's not their product, right? And yep. so they're sales guys. They're just making the sales. They want what's good for the person on the other end, but only so long as they're getting their commission. But do they really though? What? Do they really want what's good for the other person? In so much as that the person doesn't ask for a refund of the product. Mm. Right, so that they still get their commission. Yeah, well, it's not really about the other person. It's about them. Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, yeah. That's the point. That's yeah. that's how they work. Yeah. But so- The Wolf um, of Wall Street, when you're watching him selling those penny stocks and he's coaching the guys in the room, yeah. that was really quite revealing for me to watch. I know that's a, a movie, but yeah, it's yeah. based on Jordan Belfort. It's based on his lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. That really showed me, you know, and he's sitting there making making fun of people in the background and so forth. I thought, well, that's what they do, you know. Mm. That's the type of personality that succeeds in that job role. Yeah. But what I did see of the non-sales staff was the bonus structures. There was problems there. I won't go into all the details. It's mm. a bigger conversation, but I changed a couple of things that kept the bonus structures in place, but I treat it like dog training. And yeah. I was like, you shouldn't get it every time. It should be too hard to get every time. Mm. And But it should be huge when you get it, like yep. a proper actual jackpot reinforcer. Yep. So you should be working towards it, but you should only get it like, you know, one in four times or whatever the ratio was of the amount. But I was like, the, I said that of everyone in my department because they were all achieving their bonuses and then it became a part of like their salary. And I was like, no, they shouldn't be able to achieve that every time. It should be so hard that you have to work your guts out to get it. And when you get it, it should be like, holy fuck, this is a huge amount of money that came in. Mm. And over the year, it probably turns out to be about the same because they get it sometimes, they don't get it other times, and it's much bigger when they do get it. But that will actually incentivize people to try and attain it and also being strict on it, like whether people got it or not. Because what had happened there before I was there was that like people had gotten pretty close and they're like, well, here it is. And it's like, no, he didn't fucking get it. Right. Mm. So like if you had not given it to him for sure, that would have caused a big issue because it had been given in the past for similar circumstances. So I was like, he needs to get it this time, but in future we have to change where all this works. Mm. Anyway, that's probably a different conversation. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Hey, that's it. Planning. Mm. Do it. Why? What? How? I agree. After that. Begin with the end in mind, all yeah. that sort of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, heaps of buzzwords. We yeah. use heaps of quotes. Heaps of stole things, yeah. and like it just We basically summarised every self-help book I've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and every YouTube video I've ever seen on it. But nonetheless, things that people in our industry need to listen to because yeah. you're right, there are a lot of lost souls just drifting around the sea. Yeah, that's it. Another yep. episode, Counter Paradigm. Mm. Miss you guys. I'm yeah. glad to be back. Glad yeah. to be into it. It's fun to do. I think they'll be happy that we'll be able to regularly post for a little bit of time now. Yeah, yeah. be back at it. Yeah. Hey, if you like the show, just do us a favour and tell other people about it. Do, yeah, do that. I think that's a great thing. idea. That's the main thing. Just tell yeah. other people about it. Just mm. be like, hey, I listen to this show. It's good. You could do that in social media. 
Of course you could do it there. We got another five-star review the other day, which was nice. Yes, we did. And the person was very kind to say that they love that it's primarily a dog training show, but it's also a lifestyle show. And they said that it has definitely changed their life. There have actually been a lot of people lately who have said Canine Paradigm has changed their life. I had someone come up to me one time and said they had intended to kill themselves and didn't because of something that we said. Man, that's that was a long time ago I heard that, but yeah. I was like, oh, I'm not sure where to store that information. That is deep. Yeah. That's not light at all. Yeah, especially for two dickheads. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't treat that as tongue in- – I oh, know you don't either. I don't treat that as tongue-in-cheek or anything like that. No, like, no, that's no. fucking full on. They were quite serious. Yeah, And, and gave me the example and it was mm. over something – it was a – you know, it wasn't like we were slinging – just hot tips from the, what was Moses's mountain that he was on Mount Sinai or whatever. Yeah. But it was this particular thing. It was very heartfelt and it certainly was fuel to keep going for a long time. That's pretty cool. So tell your friends. Yeah. You could do it on social media. Yes. I see people, you know, they put in their stories. That's cool. Do that. And if they do, I chuck it up on our page too. Yeah, like yeah. I love linking. Love, share, yeah, share. I love watching people walking along, listening to an yeah. episode or yeah. something like that. But in your little stories, tell us what you liked about it. Yeah. Like the episode. Yeah. Don't just throw up a, an image of it. Like if there was a key point in there or yeah. a feud, make a little tell note of that so other people can read that as well. Yeah. And social media, amazing way to share stuff. Nothing beats swag in real life. Swag. No, real life. That's a way to share. You should just, oh, yeah. just whoever's to your left or right presently, just look them right in the face and go, hey. Canon Paradigm. Canon Paradigm. <laughs> just go whisper it to them. And give them a little kiss on the cheek as yeah. well. Canon Paradigm. Nothing like going up to a complete stranger. Canine Paradigm. Give them a little peck. <laughs> Stick your AirPod <laughs> in there. Yeah. Listen, listen, listen to this. Yeah. Just listen. Yep. If you live in Canberra and you know Dallas Berkowitz, go up and give her a hug. She loves them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, those ones. Like Georgie Harrington. Yeah. Both big huggers. Yeah. They're, um, they're both going to hate me now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, rate, share, all of that. Yeah. Do all that. To support the show, best way to do it is Patreon. Jump into there. We need a helicopter. Yes. We're going to have to buy a Canon Paradigm helicopter. That, wouldn't that be fucking cool? But I've got to pilot it first. got yeah, to overcome my fear. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to like ski too much. I know. I know. Your friend crashed heaps of helicopters. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to let that stop me either. No, you shouldn't. Like I can't tell you how often for the last and, – and it's very possible and it could happen and I don't take it for granted – but I can't tell you how many people love to remind me because I'm a motorcyclist that I'm a temporary Australian. Yeah, yeah. It's happened for 13 years. People have been telling me nonstop. And I agree, I've lost friends. I make no light jest of that. One of the roads that we ride on, people affectionately call it the Widowmaker, and I'm aware of how dangerous it is, and I've had some confronting moments myself because I push my limit sometimes. Mm. But I've learned to scale it back, and nonetheless, there are times where I – look at my motorbike and say, please don't kill me. But <laughs> Say and, that to your helicopter. But it was a fear I had to confront with my bike as well. There are times where I've had the whirlies on them where I've it's taken me some effort to get back on it, but I do, and then I go, find I'm pushing myself again and I'm back at it. But I need to live like that. I can't live sedate. I just yep. It's not my personality. I can't do it. So Patreon, get in there. We need yep. a helicopter. Yep. You could also <laughs> buy T-shirts. We should get a helicopter-themed T-shirt. Yeah. People could help support the helicopter. Or in America, funds. call them whirly birds or the, something. Up there, the whirly bird up there belonging Jesus. Yep. That's how you say it in um, Tokpisson. Legit. That's what, what, what helicopter. is it? Tokpisson, which is like a tribal dialect, I think, in Papua New Guinea. Yep. A helicopter's a whirly bird up there belonging Jesus. Okay. Yep. 
Anyway, get in contact with us. Do we do spring? Do we actually yeah, get, get t-shirt. there? Yeah, get, get yeah, t-shirt get from merch. Spring. Show notes, all that. Do you see anyone? Oh, that, you got to get on the mailing list. Yeah, yeah, of course. People in shirts. I love it. Yeah. Tons of people in shirts. Yep. You know which is the most popular shirt? Which one? Cool story, show me your dog with oh, the yeah, stick yeah. figure dog. Yeah. Yeah. All right, get in the Facebook group. Just be cool in there. It's been good in there. There's it has. been no problems. No, people have been Everybody's great. It's been wonderful. Yep. I appreciate that. Yep. Or you can shoot us an email. We're info at thecanonparadigm.com. Goodbye.